0: the harshest of operating conditions. Large-scale investment, planning, and commitment places the offshore sector in a league all on its own, where the stories of people aren't found anywhere else. From safety to operations to new technology, we look to break down this often mystified industry and shed light into the unknown. You're listening to the Oil & Gas Offshore Podcast with your host, Andy Lash. All right,
1: everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Oil and Gas Offshore Podcast, where we are making waves in the oil and gas industry. Today, we're going to learn about erosion and corrosion and all kinds of fun things to keep your assets well managed and maintained. Today, we have Justin Vasquez from Emerson Automation Solutions here with us. Justin, how are you doing today?
0: I'm doing pretty good. You know, it's just another chaotic week in oil and gas, but you know, it's It's definitely coming along, definitely moving. And I think, you know, now we're more than ever, we're really gonna have to look at how can we be efficient in the offshore sector?
1: Yeah, as we're recording this, everybody's gonna know this day, the price just fell out. We just broke all kinds of history right now, not for good, but crude oil just broke under a dollar right now, I know, just in the last hour or so while we're getting ready to record this. So pretty crazy times.
0: For sure, for sure. So, I mean, I, I think now... You know, it's really going to be seeing how can we have our opex really come into play and how are we going to be monitoring our assets to really bring that value for when we do start producing more in the future.
1: Yeah. So lots of good stuff for people to talk about, regardless of the market environments. This is going to be a lot of information for you guys out there listening, and something I think you can all take away and, and apply to your day today. Before we get too far into it, I do want to say the show is sponsored by Tidewater. Tidewater owns and operates the largest fleet of offshore support vessels in the industry, with over 60 years of experience supporting offshore energy exploration and production activities worldwide. If you're interested in support for your maritime operations, you can learn more about Tidewater through their website at www tdw.com. I'd also like, if you're out there listening, if you enjoyed the show, or if you didn't like the show, either way, if you could leave a comment, leave a review, wherever you receive this content, that not only helps us make the show better, but it also gets us out to more listeners and helps us keep moving forward. So thank you very much for listening and supporting us there. Justin, how about we just start? Where are you at today?
0: So I'm recording out of Houston today. So you know, right in the heart and soul of the American oil and gas industry, offshore, onshore, midstream, downstream refining. I mean, we have so many assets going on right here in Houston, or at least being monitored right here in Houston that, yeah, it's, it's a great place to be at for oil and gas.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I just, I lived there for five, six years and yeah, everything's oil and gas. You can't get away from it down there, you know, even if you wanted to. Just for sure driving on the highway
0: <laughs> right i mean literally i was born and raised here in houston my first job actually in oil and gas was kind of in the steel industry where i worked there for 5 years you know learning kind of carbon steel for a steel distributor then later on moved on to halliburton where i was an offshore engineer in measuring while drilling and now with emerson and you know even went to school down here at uh, university of houston where i studied business so kind of a Indirect way to use my degree, but it's been great.
1: Nice. Houston's a cool city. There's always a lot of stuff going on. Did you go to rodeo this year? I know that was like what a month ago or so. Uh,
0: Stadium. it was about two months ago. Yeah, now kind of crazy. But I did go to rodeo. At least I went to the cook off, the show that I was going to go to, ended up getting canceled with that. So I think that was kind of a good thing for them to kind of postpone that at the beginning. But you know, it's a big financial hit to the city. But I did get to enjoy yeah. a little bit. Take some friends that are actually from other countries from britain and things like that to the show and they really enjoyed it i mean cook off is one of the best things to go to for rodeo itself
1: yeah i never made it to cook off the first couple years i just it didn't work out and then i finally had like people that wanted to take me and i was always out of town when i rolled through town you know rolled into town but someday i'm I'm sure i'll get there. it's always been a bucket list item for me (laughs) oh yeah oh yeah so, Justin, you know we're learning you're with Emerson Automation, and what do you really want to talk about today? What are kind of like overarching
0: so topic? today, yeah, so today, I really want to talk about you know corrosion and erosion and how it can be used in their offshore process, but not just limited to you know being offshore where you know a lot of this product and solutions are really developed offshore we've seen them trickle down into you know from offshore upstream down into midstream and refining itself. So, you know, I don't want people just to kind of look at it as, oh, this solution is just for offshore upstream. No, I mean, this can go across the board. I mean, it can even branch out into other areas, you know, such as kind of pulp and paper, mining and things like that. So corrosion and erosion is really universal. It's going to be used in any process that, you know, has a metal piping or containment. And, you know, you really want to understand how that asset is going to really be what the health of that asset is going to be throughout its life. And you get a really good timeline of that health of that asset through corrosion monitoring.
1: All right. So we're not just talking normal rust on the side of the ship. I mean, you know, environmental effects and deterioration, but you're talking process corrosion and internal pipeware and, you know, damage to the elbow that's not necessarily visible from the outside,
0: all all those kind of aspects, right? Correct. I mean, I think a lot of people really, when they think of corrosion, they're thinking rust, you know, exterior things that we can see, but they don't understand that the actually the interior of that process itself can be more corrosive than the external corrosion environment itself. So understanding, you know, how your process is currently affecting The infrastructure itself is a really good asset to monitor because, one, you can optimize corrosion inhibitors. You can see if you're having any type of sand erosion from upstream oil and gas, or you can even, you know, understand, you know, how carbon dioxide, H2S, hydrogen sulfide corrosion is damaging the process itself. So anything metal itself, you know, it's going to have some deterioration. Now, if you can put a timeline to that deterioration, you can really understand how to optimize that process.
1: Okay. And then really, I mean... We want to optimize that for many aspects. I mean, cost savings, safety, just reliability, right? There's many, right. many aspects to come back to this.
0: Right. I mean, it definitely, you know, safety is going to be one of the biggest things. Any type of loss of containment, you know, these days are really pushed to the forefront of the media. You know, I hate saying that, but you know, with so much information being able to be out there, any type of loss of containment is really going to damage the company's reputation. And, you know, it's, it's a huge cost. For, you know, the small cost of a corrosion system itself, you can really save hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars in, you know, the long term with these types of systems.
1: Wonderful. So I hear you. This is, this is certainly something very important to the industry, something that everybody out here is facing, whether they know it or not. I'm sure they do though. So let's just see like how historically has the industry handled the inspection and kind of the general asset management towards corrosion and erosion.
0: Yeah, so historically the industry has had, you know, a very reactive approach to corrosion monitoring. And the way they've been reactive with this is, you know, they're using manual inspections which are typically done once a year or when a turnaround is happening or an unplanned shutdown. Or they're using corrosion coupons. You know, they're kind of the, the very fundamentals of corrosion monitoring. If you want something very basic, you use a coupon. And so basically what a corrosion coupon is, it's a metal piece that's inserted into the process itself, and it's changed out every three months. And that piece of metal is analyzed. The only problem with that is, you know, your process can change from day to day. And you're not getting a good timeline with that. You know, you're getting one data point every three months with that. So with, you know, moving to an online system, you're really able to optimize what's happening daily in your system. So, you know, the industry historically, it's been very reactive and now we're trying to move them to a proactive state with it.
1: And with those manual inspections, I mean, is that, what are we talking here? I mean, they're going out with some kind of instrumentation to actually measure like pipe wall thickness or how do those inspections work?
0: Right. So those typical measurements used for manual inspections are manual UT measurements. So you'll have physically a person going out with a UT monitor. They'll place it on a certain piece of piping equipment and they'll do, you know, a couple hundred measurements throughout the entire system itself to kind of get around about. But the only problem with this is this is very inconsistent. You know, if I go out one day and then I tell you to go out the next day to do that same area, you might not hit that exact same area that I was monitoring. And, you know, corrosion can vary from person to person when you're doing these manual inspections. Another piece of equipment that they can use out there are x-rays where they're taking a big x-ray of the entire piping itself. So, you know, you're getting like kind of a 3d image of what's going on within the process itself. The only problem is with these, it's, you know, it's, slower term data itself. You're not getting the date, the daily data that you really need to help optimize. So it's just, while it is in depth, it's good to have it. You need something really more on a daily basis to be proactive with it.
1: Well, and that's, you've kind of touched on it, but that's kind of a good thing to keep in mind. I mean, this corrosion is not, it's not constant at one level, right? It's changing with, the solution that's going through there, I'm sure it's going with the the rate of speed and the flow rate that the solution or material is going through there. I mean, there's many factors changing day by day that are going to change that corrosion and erosion wear.
0: Is that is that right. accurate? That's very accurate. So let's kind of take an example of upstream oil and gas processing from the wellhead itself. You know, you're going to drill this really expensive well and the way we determine, you know, the longevity of a, a well itself is how much sand is it producing and how much is it kicking up? So we really need to monitor that daily in case we have any type of large sand breakthrough, which is very erosive. So think about, you know, a sand blast coming up with high pressure, let's say on an oil or a gas well, especially gas wells where they're very high velocities. That's very abrasive to the interior of your pipes themselves. And that could damage the chokes literally within minutes. So within minutes, you can have a large erosion effect on your choke, which is going to cause a unplanned shutdown because you completely eroded through that choke itself. Or, you know, having on these elbows as well, you can really see a washing or kind of cavitation effect with the sands themselves. So you're really looking to add inhibitors to that and you need to know how to properly dose those inhibitors. And with the online corrosion, you know, probes, we can see that and optimize that process right there so you can have proper dosage but then you actually see the effect so you're getting a cause and effect of corrosion and erosion in your system.
1: Yeah. No, I so of anybody that's listening to the show now and they know I live more on like on like onshore oil and gas sector and just one thing that just came to mind as you're explaining that I was at we we're at a flowback in Oklahoma and I guess the formations up there are very prone to sanding out. So they're flowing back through their their flowback equipment, their test separator, and all this stuff, and walking on talking to the to the operator, and he, I just see this pile of sand on the ground, and it's like not supposed to be there. I'm like, so he's talking, and we're going through it, and he pulls—he's working on a valve body. He pulls it out, and it just looks like this crazy star pattern in it, right? And I'm like, "Is that supposed to look like that?" And he said, "No, it's supposed to be a quarter, it's like a quarter-inch round circle." Right. And instead, this was like a star that reached almost like a half dollar to even bigger. And it was just blowing through there. And he had a pile of those valves that he was just stacking up because that sand just tore through the equipment.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, that's almost a daily occurrence, especially in the onshore market. And the good thing is, you know, Emerson, we have two really, really great products for that. One, we have our acoustic sand monitor or our SAM, we call it, which is going to feed the customer or end user data every second. So we can actually listen to the sand itself by putting that on a 90 degree bend. And we can see in real time what the sand characteristics are having for that. We also have an intrusive probe to see the amount of metal that we're having loss. And with our permacence line, that's actually a direct, you know, UT monitor that we can place on a critical elbow to prevent any type of wash on that elbow before we have a loss of containment. So it's a really, you know, way to scale your system. You know, you can start with one product and you say, okay, hey, we're seeing a lot of sand now. I want to know the effect of that sand. Let's add another product. And, you know, you don't have to start really large, especially on flowbacks. I mean, we can put a couple sand monitors already out there. One, we can put them before and after the test separators to make sure you're not sanding up that separator. You can see the efficiency of that separator and you know what, when you're really getting out of flowback. So it's a lot of better decision-making when you're looking at corrosion monitoring, you know, you're really looking at, you know, the wear of things, but there's so much more data that you can get through it by, you know, just asking questions about, Hey, what, what more can I learn about this?
1: Yeah. I mean, I mean, you guys are coming at it from the corrosion and erosion standpoint, but, but if, if you're kicking a bunch of sand back out of that, well, that might tell you something even more, that might be early warning signs for some issues in the formation, right? I mean, you might have collapse of your fractures and and different issues. And if you know that sand's coming back out now, you can maybe get in front of that or, or adjust accordingly. So you're actually getting way more than even the erosion measurement and monitoring, right?
0: Correct. So, I mean, it goes beyond the corrosion measurement itself. It's really, you know, kind of that first line of defense of what's happening in the process today. And what do I need to mitigate with that? So it goes way deeper than just, you know, the process itself. It goes into the health of that well or that well formation on seeing what's happening into it on a daily basis.
1: Awesome. Man. Very interesting stuff. Very important for everybody in the space, I'm sure. So, I mean, we we see how important it is to monitor this these issues and this wear and, and tear. But so how are we going to do that? How does Emerson offer solutions there we've heard about you know acoustic monitoring but what's that whole kind of system look like
0: okay so the whole system itself so you know what phase one what we really like to do when we're consulting with customers on their process itself it's what is their objective are you just trying to understand are you trying to learn do you not know anything do you have anything that's you know some type of corrosion monitoring already in the process itself. So one, it's one defining the objective itself. So we're going to say, all right, here's your objective. We want to know what sand erosion is doing to our process. So we'll recommend, you know, a sand acoustic monitor. We'll recommend a sand probe so we can actually see erosion effects in real time. And then we'll also look at some type of pipe wall thickness measurement with our Permasense line of UT monitors that we can place on the on there. So we're like, you can see causes, you can see effects with it. And then let's say for an offshore op- application, we want to really understand corrosion inhibitors. So now we're going to use electrical resistance probes that are going to understand or detect and monitor the real-time corrosivity of the process fluid because we want to optimize that corrosion inhibitor. And now we're getting proper dosaging out of that. And we're really you know able to control how corrosive a process fluid is, and overall giving it better health. So it's like, one, defining the objective, two, what processes are currently in place, what type of metallurgies are you using, what type of access fittings are available already that we can already tap into. So it doesn't have to be a huge CapEx spend if you already have some type of monitoring. Let's say coupons, which are very readily available within a lot of these processes, solutions or systems we can actually go into those coupon locations take the coupon out and put some type of continuous monitoring already into those locations
1: oh that's great yeah that make that's got to make deployment super easy then are you running wiring and connections to all of these devices or or do they run you know completely wireless how does how does that work
0: so we have multiple options for our end users themselves if they already have a system that's already in place that's wired into it yes we can provide a wired solution for them but we know that the cost of wiring is very expensive especially on some of these offshore assets where you have to deal with trays down in refining you know you're having to deal with long distances so really online monitoring is moving to a wireless technology And there's already wireless monitors already out on these assets through the use of different Emerson products. We can already tie into those same wireless gateways to give them a completely wireless hands-off online corrosion monitoring system with our online probes, our permacence line. So, you know, every time you're adding one of those wireless systems or wireless products to the system itself, it's actually making it stronger because they're going to be relaying messages from one to the other. So you know, all these devices become interconnected, and now you're just getting all this data fed in, back into one of your process systems themselves.
1: Awesome. Okay, that sounds sounds pretty straightforward. Now, I mean, what are the? There's got to be some hurdles and barriers to get this stuff deployed. I mean, if, if it sounds sounds pretty straightforward as we're talking about it through at a pretty high level. But where are some of those? nuanced hurdles and, and difficult portions that to say your customers are going to need to think about and look at before really getting the system off the ground.
0: Yeah. So some of the hurdles that are really going to take, it's a lot of it is design itself and, you know, seeing where we can get these, because we do have to require some area around the probes themselves to get in there. So, you know, we have to at least have, you know, a certain amount of space where a person can work safely to install and retrieve these probes because we can actually retrieve all these probes while under system pressures themselves. So we have a double block and bleed system with our patented retrieval tool where we can do all this type of servicing while not stopping the process itself. So we still had a very safe process doing this, but those hurdles are really coming into process design, you know, one, the piping size and the access fitting. So it's really There is some capex cost to it when we're starting from zero, but the good thing is we can scale this. We don't have to do, you know, 15 different probes, 15 different UT monitors, 15 different acoustics. We can start with, you know, one of each, get one process line going there and then going from there and scaling the system accordingly.
1: Okay. What about upkeep and maintenance on these, these types of systems?
0: For the acoustics themselves, they are very easy to maintain. One, they're non-intrusive, so they're very easy to save, install and service. And they're generally going to have a life expectancy of somewhere between 10 to 15 years. I mean, we had some acoustic monitors that are out there over 15 years, and they're still working in the field these days, you know, for the most part. Probes themselves, the upkeep on those is is a little bit more. Typically, once a year for the continuous monitoring probes. But see, you're going to be spending a lot more money when you're looking at the coupons themselves. So that legacy technology, that is a lot of upkeep because you're going having to go out to this area to retrieve them once every three months, and you're only getting that data, you know, four data points a year, or you're getting multiple data points per year with a continuous. Wireless UT monitors themselves, very easy to install, non-intrusive. They basically fit together with a, a large zip tie. We put them onto there to make sure that they're secured and, you know, staying in one spot. So the upkeep can be relatively cheap.
1: Nice. There's no like calibrations or or proving cycles like, like a meter would have or something like that?
0: Correct. So the only thing that we would really have to go out, commission, if you're really wanting a lot of data, are the acoustics themselves. We will tune those for sand noise in upstream oil and gas in conventional wells to get a high accuracy of those. And typically we can get within about 5% of known sand coming through on the offshore sector in those conventional wells. So that's the only thing that's really needing calibration. Other than that, it's basically plug and play with most of our system. We throw that all back to our field watch software, and we can actually crunch all this data into there. If they have no corrosion monitoring at in place already we are even making it even more simple for these end users to look at data through our plant web insight app so basically this is going to be an app that you can look through your cell phone and look at all your corrosion data in your hand at any given point remotely and it's very secure so you know it simplifies the entire system itself on what's available so it's the user has so many options with corrosion monitoring and everything is basically custom tailor made to their application. So, you know, there's no one system that's going to be identical. So it's tailored to their, their system itself.
1: Okay. With you guys deploying these systems, I mean, have you come across any, any points where maybe corrosion has been a surprise to the, these operators and these actual asset owners? And, you know, maybe the industry hasn't really caught on to, to look there. Is there any of those kind of points that you've come across in recent time?
0: I think everybody knows that they're generally going to have some type of corrosion in there. So typically what's going on now, it's over-specking materials to allow for that corrosion itself. I think where the end users are really making a lot of good informational decisions is on their corrosion inhibitors. So we've seen inhibitors actually come out of the same batches from the chemical companies The end users are actually putting them down into their wells. And sometimes they don't realize that they're having a bad batch of chemicals. So we can actually verify if the chemical is doing its job like it should be. You know, if all the factors are the same by the dosage, times of dosing, and things like that, but you're still seeing higher corrosion, maybe you have a bad batch of chemicals. And we actually have caught some of those incidences offshore where you know things can be very expensive you know if you're not adding enough corrosion inhibitor to the uh, formation you can really damage your well and that can cost you you know hundreds of thousands if not millions of dollars if you damage that well far enough
1: wow that's cool and i'm sure there's a cost savings not only with finding a bad batch of course like you just mentioned but i would also th- think that the proper dosing rates probably a pretty good cost savings there too because i know these chemicals aren't they're not cheap they're not, you know bargain brand uh, right. detergents and stuff, right? right. So got to get that mix right, or you could be wasting a lot of money there.
0: Right. I mean, that mix is critical. I mean, you're using, you know, hundreds of thousands of gallons at a time when you're ordering these. So, you know, that cost, while, you know, you're going to be spending that, if you kind of take your corrosion inhibitor cost over a year and you're able to save a couple hundred, couple thousand gallons, you know, across all your systems, that could be a huge saving for an operator. Yeah,
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we touched on it when when we started, and obviously, I kind of jotted this question down before I saw what the market did today, right? Breaking a dollar on crude oil prices
0: for oh W-tons. man, when you, when you said that, I just got some goosebumps right now. Yes. I'm still kind of in disbelief about that, but you know, it's we are where we are, and now we just kind of have to tread some water to see where we can optimize. Absolutely,
1: absolutely, and and that kind of leads me into my question. You know how how can emerson offer help or or what kind of thoughts come to mind when you're coming to a customer in this current rate and margin environment that is is so low it's it's just so mind-boggling low you know what how do you guys tackle that
0: so i mean i think it, this is kind of really unprecedented in times and a lot of producers are going to be really unsure on what to do do they want to shut down production on their wells are they really going to want to, you know, lower rates or what? So you know the cost of actually shutting down a well is very expensive. And not only is it expensive, you can actually damage it when you bring that, that well back online, you know, because you might have a lot of sand start coming up through there. So it's really going to be a lot of crucial decision making, especially in the storage sector. We know that there's a lot of crude being stored. And the longer that it's stored, the more time it has to separate. And what I mean by that is there's always going to be some type of water in that crude itself when it is stored. And that water is very corrosive once it's just sitting there stagnant. So storage tanks, offshore storage and tankers themselves can really all benefit from this because we really don't know how long we're going to be in the situation. So really kind of like looking at those factors of storage, are we shutting in wells? And if we're not producing at, you know, our normal capacity and we're lowering rates, how can we optimize that by reducing cost? And those are going to be three of the main areas I think we're going to see in the near term.
1: Yeah. No, I can certainly see that. I was just thinking back to, I know, just as you just said, right? The B S and W and that water that falls out of the crude oil, whether it's in storage or or even in transit can cause a considerable amount of damage. I know a couple of years back there was quite a lot of discussion around all the crude by rail that was being moved All over the country. And I know some rail cars were pretty, pretty badly damaged, you know, and just due to that corrosion. I mean, could a system like this, and this is just me thinking out loud, could a system like this be deployed to like, like a mobile asset, like a rail car or or something like that to be remote monitoring? Uh,
0: If you had it on a rail car, that would be a little bit challenging itself. But you, if we had this in, you know, the transportation pipelines themselves, where, you know, we have a lot of the emission companies that, are really, you know, getting this, you know, crude from either offshore or, you know, West Texas, they can really benefit from corrosion monitoring. One, we can deploy this in underground pipelines themselves, so areas of low points. And let's say if they really start slowing down on the transportation of it, we know that they're gonna start seeing some water fall on the bottom of those pipelines. So we can actually bury it. And we can actually reduce the amount of smart pig runs, which we know are very expensive because one, a smart pig is typically somewhere in the cost of hundreds of thousands of dollars, depending on how many miles of pipeline you're going to be monitoring. And then there's a huge disposal fee that you have to account for when you're running a pig because prior to running a smart pig, you're gonna have to run one or two cleaning pigs to make sure that you get all that debris off of the pipeline before you measure it. So you know this can really be deployed to be very efficient for the midstream companies themselves. Going back to your question on the rail car, you know, it's just typically power itself is what's going to be a little bit challenging with the rail cars because it's not really readily available. Solar power, you know, it's just not, I would say it's just not efficient enough just yet for a rail car. Maybe one day, maybe we can use some type of GPS enabled UT monitor like our PermaSense line. So maybe that could be near down the future. So very interesting.
1: Well, and that's if crude by rail ever comes back, right? That was the time all of its own, much much like oil right. and gas. The waves of of different applications and uses, but yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. see where, see where
0: I, the future goes. I mean, if you look at the crude prices right now, when I was like watching TV earlier on, they were talking about you know having this literally in trucking units themselves. So the market really dictates you know what products really need to be made. So maybe in the future we can look at a solution this way. So. But right now, I mean, kind of going back on that BSNW, I mean, how critical companies are really looking and concerned about water is, we're looking at, you know, hundreds of a percent within accuracy itself. And the good thing is, you know, I actually represent Emerson as well in their water cut meters in their BSNW. And we see that, you know, companies are willing to spend money just to make sure that they're saving money on one, receiving this crude with very little water on it because they don't want to pay for, you know, those halves of percents because, you know, that half a percent of a barrel over a large amount of volume really adds up to a lot of uh, costs. And not only is it the cost in by paying for water, it's the cost that they have to pay to run it through a dewater. Let's say if it was going into a refinery and things like that. So it's really making their fiscal transfer way more accurate.
1: Yeah. Oh, I can't agree with that more. I mean, I run crude oil trucks or, or did up until recently manage crude oil trucks. So we had the drivers that were out there physically measuring BS and W per load just through the API field method. And you know, there's, there's a lot of variables there. I mean, even the best driver is still going to leave a lot of room for, for error, unfortunately. So you got to have some kind of backup system at, you know that you can really rely on, which sounds like what you guys are deploying there.
0: Right, so I mean, it's an everyday issue, and we're just trying to see what we can do to help our end users just by asking questions.
1: Awesome, Justin. What do you face any myths or, or general misunderstandings day to day, and and when you're out talking to customers and just talking shop out in you know in in the oil and gas sector?
0: You know, I do get quite a few myths, and you know, one being a young. Oil and gas professional, you know, in in my younger 30s here, a lot of these corrosion monitoring assets, especially in the refineries and offshore assets, you know, they're managed by older teams, which are very used to manual inspections and coupon monitoring itself in corrosion and erosion itself. So, you know, they see it as, you know, they're not getting a lot of data. Well, when I ask them, what what's your current process and they tell me that it's manual inspections and coupons i'm like well you know there the technology has completely changed in you know the last 10 years and coupons go back you know 40 years themselves so i was like if you have 40 years of corrosion coupon monitoring i was like there's a lot of data that you're missing there so i mean if you think about you know just technology in the past 5 years how far it's come it's changing every day it's getting faster every day continuous monitoring is really game changing for a lot of these companies but unfortunately it's a lot of older generations I wouldn't say all of them because some of them are very introduced to this but you know a lot of them a lot of these end users are using older technology so they see it not as commercially viable but when we present them with this online you know technology some of them are a little bit reluctant at first because one we're adding another data point that they have to monitor every day with it so it's a lot of legacy Technology out there that has really hurt the corrosion industry in the past. But I think, you know, as assets age, it's a great way to really extend the life of those assets. I mean, look at a lot of the refineries here in the United States. A lot of them are older, you know, than 60, 80, maybe even 100 years old around here in Houston. How do you monitor that with just corrosion coupons? You really need something that's going to be online. Look how expensive, you know, offshore assets are. You know, they're in the billions of dollars. Why wouldn't you spend? a couple thousand dollars to get that, the health, that facility, you know, monitored every day. That's a huge cost that, you know, you really don't want to forget about. And, you know, you can have a lot of, you know, temperature, pressure, flow metering, things like that to really monitor things. But corrosion monitoring is really at the heart of the health of the asset itself.
1: understand completely or understand much better than I did before we started. Right. I'll say it that way. Right. Um, tons of information tons of information i think it's it's certainly a a very worthy discussion topic for anybody in the industry whether it's onshore offshore upstream downstream certainly a big hurdle and a big thing to keep your eye on every day while you're out there getting the job done so thank you for thank you for talking with me about it thanks for providing some of your, your expertise
0: Yeah, I appreciate it. I mean, you know, the the great thing with Emerson itself, it's we are really the one stop shop for corrosion monitoring. Not only do we sell the product itself, we also service, we commission, we do reporting, we really give them the guidance of corrosion monitoring. We're not going to just sell them a product and say, okay, here you go. Now figure it out. We can really be there every step of the way for them and help them scale their systems on sizing itself. So if they don't have a corrosion monitoring team, we can be that team already. And we're already doing that for quite a few of our customers and it really provides them, you know, with an in-depth report. We'll do either weekly, bi-weekly or monthly reports for them on the asset health itself. Now they can go in and say, "All right, hey, we're having issues in this area." And let's go look at it. What is causing, you know, issues there with their assets themselves. So you know, it's it's a huge value chain that can really be accomplished with a very small input of capex for there so you know we can be those eyes and ears for them on their corrosion monitoring side and we really enjoy that we really like getting into the the bare bones of it and you know when you're able to save a customer you know hundreds of thousands of dollars or you know prevent any type of of containment and really provide the company company that safety and security that their asset is healthy, you know it, it's a win for everybody. You know the environment, people, and things like that. Yeah, I mean when I worked offshore, I mean it was a very big team effort to make sure that we're all staying safe out there. So I really appreciate it. Thank you for your time, and I hope to do it again.
1: Absolutely, absolutely awesome. Thank you very much. Thank you, Justin, for your time, and thank you to the audience for listening. Well, I hope you have enjoyed another episode of the Oil & Gas Offshore Podcast. And again, if you can, leave us a review or a comment or wherever you listen to the show. Greatly appreciate it. And we will catch you on the next one. Thank you. Bye-bye.
2: Hi, everybody. Alex here with the Events on Deck. So, obviously, we are in uh, unprecedented times right now and have been unable to carry out our last couple of happy hours that we had scheduled for last month. We have chosen to delay them, and we'll continue to update you on when exactly we will be able to have those events again. Obviously, we're following along the recommended guidelines of the CDC and the World Health Organization. So we're really looking forward to seeing you, and we're hoping that these events are going to happen sooner rather than later. But for now, stay tuned, and we will keep you posted on those dates. Also, just want to say thank you to everyone for continuing to listen to Oil & Gas Global Network. We are fortunate to already have been a virtual company before the coronavirus and all of these issues started plaguing various countries. And we just want to continue bringing you guys the best information and to the best of our ability, keep you informed, especially while everyone is at home or at least most more people than ever before are at home. So, We just would like to thank you for continuing to tune in and continuing to listen, and we hope that everyone is staying safe, and we wish everyone the best, and thanks again. Hi everybody, Alex here with the events on deck. So obviously we are in uh, unprecedented times right now and have been unable to carry out our last couple of happy hours that we had scheduled for last month. We have chosen to delay them and we'll continue to update you on when exactly